Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell, excited to be joined by another professional consultant and expert in their respective field. Uh, this is someone that I was introduced to a number of weeks ago. We've had a few conversations and really excited to bring him into the Consulting with Authority world and share him with everyone today. His name is Matthew Kroll. Um, Matthew is a Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt, works with companies and executives to help them improve and maximize and optimize their processes and streamline their efficiencies. Um, Matthew, so glad that you were able to join us. Thank you for carving out some time today. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Absolutely. So let's begin at the beginning, uh, Matt. Um, tell us a little about your background. How did you get to where you are? It's one of my favorite parts of these interviews because everybody's got a different story. And it seems like everybody who ends up in the consulting world, it's never a straight line from you know leaving high school or, or, or finishing school and then becoming a consultant. It's hardly ever a straight line. So tell us about your zigzag of a path. Sure. Um, uh oh, well, maybe it's not a zigzag though. Um, uh, well, it may not be. That's fine. Honestly, too. yeah. My, um, I, I've had a, a lifelong interest in engineering and how things are made, and that's um, that's right in alignment. That kind of yeah, pro- pro- propelled me honestly um, uh, throughout. I know exactly what you mean because when you talk to people and you hear they bounce back and forth between different things, but I've stayed fairly pegged around understanding operations, how things are built, how people work together to do it. Um, I just, I think it's endlessly fascinating. So um, I, um, I have a uh, industrial engineering degree from okay. Northern Illinois University and industrial engineering for anyone who doesn't know is it's very much about how we organize people um, and <clears throat> activity and machinery and, you know, technology and all that um, to produce all the goods and services that are around us. Uh, and so I, I learned about that discipline in college. Um, I uh, went to work for Motorola directly after college, mm-hmm. and I learned how to apply that um, at, at probably one of the companies that was, um, was best, uh, certainly at the time, uh, in, in taking that kind of operational discipline and applying it everywhere throughout the company. Um, and so I spent... Uh, 11, 12 years roughly uh, at Motorola. And, um, you know, with a company like that, you got to there, I guess it was a bit of zigzagging. Um, I spent some time in our services organization. I spent some time in manufacturing and distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked with field service teams, call centers. Um, I worked with sales teams, product development teams, um, software engineering. I mean, you name it. And I, I got to kind of see everything. And I, I guess I should should add to that. That's It was at Motorola where I was um, put into their Six Sigma program um, and earned my green belt, my black belt, and eventually my master black belt. And that, you know, that addition to my industrial engineering discipline allowed me to go and work with all these different groups. I mean, we we even went and worked with police departments um, and looked at uh, the processes inside of a police department wow. and, you know, how could Motorola help their customers, as it's a significant customer for Motorola, um, help their customers' operations run better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a really interesting and important place, I would say, um, right. to, go do, to go do process improvement. Uh, and so I, I really cut my teeth there and knew that I just wanted to continue on that path. I wasn't going to um, 
uh, veer off, say, into a product role or sure. uh, uh, some some other role that I might have sales or something like that, and um, and decided I wanted to try and build a program from scratch, and and so I left Motorola in twenty. 10, I think, <clears throat> and um, went to a technology company uh, to really see how you could apply process thinking in, in the tech um, realm, right? Um, it's, diff- it's different. There's a different um, yeah. uh, kind of culture inside of those companies, uh, This, but similar that they need to organize and um, create an environment where they can deliver consistently to their customer, sure. um, provide engagement and development to their employees. Uh, all those same things uh, exist. So I um, I went and worked for Here Technologies. <clears throat> it was called Navtech at the time, if, if anyone's heard of Navtech, uh, and built a continuous improvement program from the ground up um, over the course of about six years. Wow. Uh, and uh, really, I got to see the world because it was a it was a company that did um, built navigation, so it built maps. Uh, so that was pretty cool. That is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. 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 Definitely uh, opened your eyes to all the corners of of the earth, and um, uh, and and then also got to see how you kind of customize the approach of building continuous improvement for organizations that are you know highly entrepreneurial, um, highly mm-hmm. creative. Um, a little bit different um, the way they're organized inside. Although at the end of the day, same thing, they have a customer, the customer wants value yep. and we have to figure out how we put together the pieces of the puzzle, to deliver that value. Uh, and so after six years there, I said, you know, this is just what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And it's time for me to go and build a business, um, found a business uh, that could focus these, these um, kind of offerings Mm-hmm. On small and and mid sized businesses, okay, um, yeah, businesses that you know maybe or I would say um, I, I know for sure now don't have access to the kind of skill or experience um, you know that that I gained I guess through the through through the corp my corporate experiences, right? <clears throat> or I should say their access is limited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they what they need is is that expertise, but on a more fractional basis. Understood. Uh, so I founded my company with that intent is to build an offer that could be portioned to companies so they can get the value, but they don't have to go and invest in, you know, a, a group of black belts right. or an individual black belt you know, um, that could be quite expensive over the course of the year. Um, and so that's what uh, I founded Chalmers Street Consulting. In 2016, um, I've uh, built a book of business uh, since then, and really applied what I learned through that that Motorola and Here Technologies experience into that small middle market space. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more. So you focus on working with small to mid sized companies. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about that target market if there's specific industries you focus on, and then. Um, give us an overview of, of how you engage with those companies. It sounds like you have a fractional COO type of uh, offering uh, that you provide to them, but maybe if you can sort of just uh, share a little bit of that architecture uh, behind that, that offering yeah. that you make to them. 
you know, and, and I guess, you know, I'd say also recognizing your audience. Um, I'd be real, real clear that it, it evolves. Uh, right. I mean, any, you know, I've worked in enough companies, product offerings evolve. Sure. Um, that offer uh, that I started with is different from the offer that I have now. And I, I only say that because probably whatever I say here, it'll continue to evolve. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We come back, we do another interview and the business is transformed again, right? As I, as I learn what the, what that space needs. Yeah. Um, so you had several questions in there. I mean, the first, the first answer I'll give is you could hear from the background. I've practiced continuous improvement in many different environments. So right. since leaving and, and founding my business, um, I've worked with a charter school. Uh, I've worked with a call center. I've worked with a chemical distribution company, um, a sales and distribution company. Um, I've worked with uh, some uh, local municipalities in the Chicago area. Uh, I could go on. I won't. Um, I work with traditional manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, my point in that is I, I don't have an industry. I have um, more of a profile, which can be a little bit harder to find. But, you know, I, I like the I didn't come up with this, but I like it. I'm looking for humble and hungry leaders mm. um, that are open to finding new ways of working and see the value in developing their employees to execute on process improvement. That's ultimately any organization that fits that, fits that mold yeah. uh, is going to be a good organization uh, for, for me to work with and for, for my offerings. And the reason is that <clears throat> I, don't, I don't typically have just a rote set of solutions, right? Sure. Um, yeah. If it's a a changeover on a, in a piece of machinery, I have to learn a little bit about that piece of machinery before mm. I can tell you what you might do to improve that change over time. Yeah. What's more is I'd prefer to actually involve your employees in fixing that problem because for me to learn it and to fix it and walk away right. is much lower value to you yep. than for you to fix it yourself. Yep. And so, um, Owners and, and leaders that really um, appreciate that approach, mm-hmm. um, that's, um, uh, you know, they get it. And that's that's where I think I can do my best work and, and provide the highest value. Um, again, you know, that's uh, that's that's across industries. Sure. Uh, but uh, it's it's sometimes hard to you don't know. Right. When you walk in the door and talk with somebody, you don't know. Usually over the phone, I can get a good idea. Um uh, so, so from a, you know, from an industry perspective, it's pretty broad Yeah. from a, from a company perspective, the first, um, my first client who is still a client, um, really brought me in to, I wouldn't quite say a fractional COO, but to perf- okay. perform some of those roles. Sure. But that's not, um, that's not the way I position myself mm-hmm. really as a fractional master black belt. Um, or a, a, a set of activities that will allow you to build continuous improvement into your organization. Okay. Um, those, those activities might be setting up small improvement teams to mm-hmm. go fix certain problems. Um, <clears throat> they might be a overarching evaluation of people, process, and technology to identify your gaps, identify those um, parts of the company that are underperforming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it will always be um, 
development of the people inside the company, especially those high potential folks uh, that can lead the charge on process improvement. Uh, and so that offer typically goes to smaller company owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say we've worked with companies as small as $10 million. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also can go to director level, um, C-level operations folks. And so we've worked with companies as large as, gosh, actually, I don't even know, $50, million, $50 billion. Yeah. Um, uh, and and in there we're we're you know inside of a specific department, right? Still delivering the same the same offer though. Yep, yep. I think that's fantastic, and um, I'm fascinated by the. It, it makes sense to hear you talk about it, but I would not. I would have missed this question on a multiple choice test. Uh, that is about the um, uh, the heterogeneous nature of your target market. I would have expected there would be maybe one or two or three industries, and that's your your point of focus. And hearing you talk about it, it makes perfect sense that your target market would be based on a profile like you described and more based on business outcome as opposed to the nature of the industry. Um, and again, I, again, I would not have thought that. I would have thought, oh, there's a process improvement, and there probably are, but I would thought there's a process improvement guy or gal in this sec- sector and this sector, but it does make, it almost makes more sense that someone like you who has your high level of expertise would work across industry. Um, maybe one thing that we'll touch on in a second is when we get into diving deep into your expertise is maybe how that cross-section of industry is actually advantageous to someone like you, because you can pull ideas from different industries, which is something that I try to do in the business development category. Um, so maybe we'll put a pin in that, but that would right. be a very yeah. interesting conversation. Absolutely. The, um, the other thing is, you know, aside from target market in terms of the nature you're offering, what I'm hearing you say, and I think this is a note for, it's, it's a note for me, as I haven't really thought about my business through this filter. And I, and, and so therefore I would encourage everyone who's watching or listening to, to take this note and figure out what is your adaptation of this. What I'm hearing you say is it's one thing to sell yourself as a fractional whatever, or to sell your own expertise or services. What I'm hearing you say is that you go in and yes, you can perform those things, but your core focus or a key part of your, your uh, engagement every single time is to educate and empower the team within the organization to be able to do the same things that you're doing, at least to be able to ask the right questions, right? They may never be a, 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 a Lean Six Sigma black belt, but they can at least ask the right questions to get to the right answers. And I think that's a really interesting thing. I think so many consultants, guilty as charged on this end, will just go in and say, okay, this is the engagement. This is what I and my team is expected to fix or correct or achieve. And then we go, we do the thing and maybe we continue to work, maybe we don't. And that's it. I hadn't really thought about, I mean, I do some training and education, but I hadn't really thought about that being a a core part of the work that I do from a business development standpoint. But it makes perfect sense that I would go in and make sure that when I leave or get the company up to a point that they can self-sustain at least to a point related to, in my case, business development, in your case, continuous improvement. Maybe speak a little bit more to that. What what do those types of engagements look like? Because obviously you're not imparting Lean Six Sigma black belt expertise to every individual, you know, no. in the company. Absolutely true. Yeah. 
So, so um, I might have to think about that one a little bit just to organize my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the first way I'll take that is <clears throat> maybe just for anyone listening to be aware, you know, people come to me or anyone in, in process improvement for, um, I think one of two things, either they just want the problem to go away. Right. <laughs> they're looking for, give me kind of that answer. And I think we're wired as consultants just want to do that. Right. Or they're looking for help my organization get better at making problems go away. And I've learned, um, I've learned one is that I work better on that other side, you know, mm-hmm. because again, I'm a generalist. Um, if you bring me into your warehouse, I'm going to do my process improvement approach, investigate, investigate, pull some people together, get some data, and then I'm going to give you a solution. Yeah. But I actually, for some clients, for clients that are really just, I just get, make the problem go away. I might be better off, or I know I'm better off, and I do this now, bringing in someone who looks at 10 warehouses a week, and that's mm-hmm. all this person does, mm-hmm. because they're not going to do any data collection, and that can be okay, right? Because yeah. they're just going to walk and go, oh, I see this, and oh, you're packing this way, and do you ship to Amazon? Oh, wow, if you ship to Amazon, you should be doing this, this, and that. Right, right. I hear I'm, you. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what I think I add in value, which that approach doesn't, is what you've been talking about here, which is, yeah, but when when that when that expert leaves, right, they're gonna guess what? That problem that's solved today morphs into a different problem three, six months from now. Right. And lean six sigma um in the roots of all the quality improvement tools mm-hmm. that have occurred over the last hundred years. Um, those roots are in people. It's in, it's in how do we create people as problem solvers and mm-hmm. all the techniques really have the intent of making people better problem solvers, better collaborators and better disciplined in, uh, applying solutions. So I've learned, I, I, I knew this in my corporate career, but I really learned it that much more in my consulting career that that's the highest value that I can bring, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of um, uh, the question I like people uh, like like people asking me um, is what's your superpower? Like I think right. that's a really, exactly. good, yeah. a really good question. Um, and, you know, that's kind of evolved and emerged sitting here talking to you now, though, it's definitely that people development side and specifically around making good problem solvers and good collaborators. And that, that ability uh, can, can uh, as needed, frankly, no matter if you're running a charter school network or you're running a, um, a call center or you're running a, a, some type of field services operation. Yeah, uh, it really doesn't matter. You need people to be able to do that, and so I've really focused my um, my work on making sure that that's a component. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at what a client wants on the front end, and if that's really not what they want at all, finding a good partner that can just go, "Oh, I've seen, you know, I saw two warehouses this week that had that same problem." Right, right, right. Um, and uh, and 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 also when I'm solving problems, making sure that 
the individual's development inside that is is part of the the problem solving. Yeah. Uh, so I'll often, you know, I'll often be partnering. Typically, my projects are going to include multiple client representatives in the project team, and there's, okay. there's usually more of them than there are of us uh, because that's that's our focus is is creating, giving them that ability to go solve problems on their own. So when we leave, they have those disciplines. Yeah, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. And again, it's, it's one of those things where hearing you describe it, hearing you talk about it, it seems like an obvious thing, but working with consultants uh, in our world, B2B consultants day in and day out, too often, you know, sometimes it is where, I mean, some people, some of our, our consultant peers are totally focused on people anyway, right? I mean, that is their focus, but otherwise, yeah. you know, people like me that are focused on business development or sales or or even general management or whatever it might be finance. Um, it's it's often we we do just think about the nature of the engagement and fixing the problem or taking advantage of an opportunity. And then is there another problem we can fix? Is there another opportunity rather than saying okay, here's the problem. We're going to help you fix it, and along the way, you're gonna we're going to empower and educate you to be able to handle it the next time. Makes a lot of sense. And and again, in, in terms of in terms of delivering value to an organization, what better value is there? I mean, to, to use the cliche, but it's true. What better value is there in, in teaching the man to fish? And that's only becoming more critical as we see labor shortages. Oh, 100% right. Yeah. The ability for people to move around from different job to different job giving folks, a, and that's what, you know, Motorola was so great at. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. Motorola created just a really loyal and capable employee base because they founded Motorola University. Right. Um, and large companies at that time, I think they, they followed that same practice, but um, I think it was really critical to giving us all a reason to spend a big chunk of our careers there because we knew they were going to give us development experiences. Um, They're going to give us business experiences uh, that really going to be things that we rely on as we move through our careers. Uh, And so I think it's that much more important now uh, to think about the people development. And we need to get, you know, (laughs) one person is going to need to be able to do multiple jobs these days, right? (laughs) Apparently so. Yes, exactly. (laughs) One person is going to have to be able to see the jobs they shouldn't be doing yeah. and recognize that there are automation opportunities, process elimination opportunities, all these opportunities. If only I step back and put that big hat on and go, wait a second, why have we been always doing this way? Why can't we solve this myself? And you know, also I tell companies so that you don't have to bring in you know, PwC every time you want some part of a process re-engineered or redesigned. Right. Those should actually emerge over time through your employees constantly looking for opportunities to improve. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just a better way to go about it. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. So uh, just taking a step back, thinking about the, you know, the, the other question I have related to the um, all the different types of clients that you serve is how did those client engagements come to be? And so one of the questions that I ask um, on virtually every interview is what's your, what's your business development strategy or what has it been? Um, from a from a marketing standpoint, and then maybe from a prospect cultivation or or prospect conversion standpoint to someone becoming a client, just sort of give us a, a quick overview, if you would. Yes. Yeah, so um, I remember my 
it, I was less than a year in for sure. And I went to like a sales training kind of uh, session. Yeah. And the instructor said, uh, you know, who's your, who's your profile client? They picked on me and said, Hey, who's your profile client? And I said, anyone who has money and is willing to pay me it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that got a good chuckle. It is. And it's yeah. the worst answer really. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, so, it, but it's an understandable answer for, I mean, we've got aspiring consultants who are watching this and listening to this and those who just entered the world, even accomplished people who are just getting started in consulting. And that is, I've been there. That's how you feel. I felt accomplished. I mean, I left a very well-paying job, right? And, you know, um, blessed my wife for, for you know, going and my children for, you know, being open to it. Sure. Uh, go do this. And you're right. The first thing that I learned was that I'm now a salesperson and I've never sold anything in my life. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and selling is simple in concept and hard in practice. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're, I'm, I'm probably taking your question maybe off in a direction you didn't want to go, but um, I'm just thinking of all sides of it. And sure. one side of it was knowing what I sell and who I sell to. And so I have to be very careful when I give that answer of, oh, I, I go across any vertical, any, any industry. Yeah. It makes it hard for someone else to know what you're what you're really doing, right? Sure. They can. Yeah, that's right. And I can't go into a list, um, you know, from, uh, you know, Cranes or, or some, you know, publication and just find companies that are open to continuous improvement programs. Like <laughs> exactly. That. That's right. Yeah. That's not going to There's not There's not a list that I know of. There may be parallel list that we could find, but there's not a list that I know of that, that, that know humble and hungry executives <laughs> like you talked about. It's a great you criteria, know, but difficult to get a cement, cemented list. Yeah. You know, maybe, uh, maybe someone in your audience here can come up with an algorithm that can look at <laughs> LinkedIn and find humble and hungry and sell that as a list of names. I would, yeah. I would that. Um, so, but you do have to know what you're selling and who you're selling to first and foremost. And then, uh, and then it, for me personally, anyways, it was utilizing that referral network. Um, yeah. um, still today, I'm five years in. Still today, um, eighty plus percent come from from referrals. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe the real answer actually is a hundred percent come from some type of referral. Right. There, okay. There's no, there's no one eight hundred Chalmers Street. Right. Um, yeah. There's no Chalmers Street billboard. Um, people don't look at a broken prom- process and go, I need to Chalmers Street that. Right. One day. One <laughs> right. day. Right. That's right. <laughs> but for now, it's it's the uh, it's uh, networking. And so if I'm going to ask a friend, a family member, someone I've worked with, an alumni, whatever, from a from a, a um, um, you know, from a relationship perspective, if I'm going to ask them to recommend me to the COO that they know or the owner of a mid-sized business or small business that they know, I better be able to help them understand what the heck it is that I'm selling. Uh, And I struggled for three years, I would say, to do that. Um, And even still now, I'm still honing it. But I would say, you know, from a a kind of a, a raw ability perspective, I know how to do it. Uh, and so, uh, understanding that, that profile company, like, so I'm always looking for companies that, you know, have, have a large amount of operations that are doing some repetitive activity all day long, um, that have, you know, 
20 to 30 people who are having to interact to get that thing done. Um, and a owner or leader who is frustrated because something isn't quite going right. Mm -hmm. So when a, when a referral partner hears that, they can go, oh, I might have heard someone like that. Or I understand, you know, some uh, versus versus, you know, maybe just saying, hey, I do Lean Six Sigma, which is very generic and different, you know, people put different meaning into that term. And yeah, right. uh, I've never said that. Right. I've really always said, you know, I'm, I'm looking to help people improve their operations. And these are the kind of operations that uh, uh, that value what I do. And then from there, um, really generating the habits. Uh, like I said, sales is, is simple in concept and hard in practice. So a lot of what's hard is having the habits to reach out to people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like a constant job search. Uh, and actually at one time, you know, I was looking to meet more CIOs cause I was doing some work in the IT space and I still do some work in the IT space. I just haven't put as much focus on it. Anyways, the point is at one time I was looking to build more of a network. Uh, and so I created a group mm-hmm. where I pulled in IT leaders that are in transition, uh, in transition, folks are easy to access. Sure. Um, and they have a, a, a fairly simple need that a lot of us can help with. We can help them network. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a good thing to do in addition to helping create, um, you know, more relationships with people um, that you might not create otherwise. Right. Uh, and so. That's a clever, that's a very clever idea, actually. I yeah. Mean, and it wasn't mine. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, well, the, the most else. clever ideas are never mine. It's, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like I'm much better at, at finding them and applying them than, than coming up with them. But uh, um, you know, that's uh, building kind of that network of people um, or, or adding that network of people was a very deliberate activity. It took time. I did mm-hmm. it for probably two years, maybe, maybe three years. Um, and I, you know, I learned, I learned while I was doing that, that uh, what I was doing is very similar to what they were doing. Right. And many of them weren't very comfortable doing it. They're like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to bug my friends that I need a job. I'm like, that's yeah. not what you're doing actually. One, you're catching up with them, which right. any reason to catch up with friends is a good reason. Yeah. Um, two, um, you're, yes, you're definitely going to ask them what who they know and, and who you should talk to because you're looking for a job. Obviously, you're going to talk to them about that, but that shouldn't be your sole purpose. Your sole Correct. purpose should be to learn about them, learn what they're doing, understand um, how you might be able to make helpful connections for them or provide previous experience that might be useful for them. Um, and then, and then, yeah. And then you're going to ask them what they're looking for. You're not calling them and asking them, I need a job. You're exchanging value. Yes. Yes, exactly. And truly focusing on building the relationship, uh, everything else will naturally come and come secondary. I mean, it, it does need to be a structured part of, of your you conversation. It. It's not, it's not like you ignore it or, or, or you know, hide it or anything. It's a structured part of the conversation, but like you said, it's not the, the sole objective, right? It, it shouldn't be. If you go into it with that mindset, right. You probably are going to irritate people. So, so yes. you should have, you should have the mindset of, so, so um, recognizing um, that we're exchanging value, recognizing 
that um, it is similar to a, a job search. Mm-hmm. Um, I also recognize that it's a repetitive, disciplined activity, right? Yeah. I need to have and keep track of, you know, how many outreaches did I do this week, right? Yeah. Um, how many were just kind of cold discussions? How many were friends? How many were more around the lines of a specific offering? Yeah. Um, and watch those trends and hold myself accountable to hitting certain targets. And so there's um, a lot to be said about building the habit and the discipline uh, of, of, of outreach and exchanging value in order to build business. I would say that's that's mm-hmm. been core to staying five years and growing every year um, in business. Yeah, I think that's tremendous. And um, I call that the law of compound activity, right? Ah, we, know, like we know compound interest, but your note, I, I think the, the key takeaway, one of the key takeaways, several in there, but one of the key takeaways is the word habit, right? Which implies that this is something that is done consistently and, and over time. It's not where, can you do surges of, of business development? Sure, you can but you don't need to depend, depend on that, right? It's the consistent daily activity, even a little bit, even a little bit. You can just be a little bit every single day. And that law of compound activity, it'll take some time, but soon enough, you will have um, critical mass, so to speak. And that network will, will start paying dividends. And so it's that just that little outreach every single day will, will, will mount up. And you, you asked this before we were on air, I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, you said, you know, how does the how does my process improvement work dovetail with entrepreneurship? Yes, right? exactly where we're going next. So thank you. That's where we're headed. And and I'll just I'll maybe maybe you have an, an add-on question here, but I'll just put it to you that um, what I teach companies is that continuous improvement doesn't have an external motivation. You have to create the motivation. There's not a customer. There's not, say, an owner, there's not somebody breathing down the employee's necks to go continuously improve. It's Mm -hmm. actually a habit that you have to create. And so um, when you look at what you do as an entrepreneur, you're building the processes and systems um, to, to, to sell your product in the same way that an established company is building the processes and systems to deliver that product and improving those processes and systems, there's there's not an external motivator for that. You either do it because you've created some habits around it, right? Daily waste walks, um, weekly um, uh, team retrospectives, uh, root cause analysis, or you don't do those things and you suffer the consequences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is fantastic. I I again, this is why we're having this conversation. And I, I tell a lot of my guests um, sometimes off off the air. You know, I get just as much, probably more <laughs> than the listeners and viewers. I I do these interviews somewhat selfishly, uh, but this and this is the exact reason why is because we get gold nuggets like this. Continuous yeah. improvement doesn't have an external motivator. Um, I hadn't even ever considered that before, but it makes perfect sense. And and and. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to think of the application in in my business or someone who's watching or listening in their business. And I can see I can see that directly because so often uh, a, a operation or process that I'm working on developing, I'm I wrongfully thinking about okay, what do I get for that? 
right? <laughs> what's the external motivator that's going to, you know, cause me to want to improve that system? And oftentimes the answer is little to nothing initially, right? It's a short-term, you know, or no I don't game. know, or, or I'm not sure. Right? Or I don't know, which is probably the most, most common answer. Yeah. I just don't know. And so I put, it, I, I put it off and procrastinate or it never gets done. And I suffer the consequence of opportunity costs. Uh, I had never- I'll, I'll add, I'll add, um, perfect. That was so well said. And what you just described, that status quo, right? Yes, exactly. Status quo has inertia. Okay. Oh my gosh. Continuous <laughs> improvement a, change yeah. affects inertia, right? I have to overcome yeah. inertia. Yeah. So it's even harder, right? Because I have to overcome inertia in order to, to, to do continuous improvement. Status quo has all the inertia in the world. Yes, it does. And and, and I see this in practice and it drives me nuts. um, And I'm getting better at calling it out. But even when there's problems, people, there are problems I'm used to, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're problems, but it's like a warm blanket. I know they're expected problems. When you go and change, you create new unknown problems. And our brains don't like that. No, I'm suddenly, I, I was comfortable with the problem set that I had. Comfortable. I was used to it. It was status quo. I was in that motion. I was in inertia. You give me new problems and I don't know how I feel about new problems. Yeah. Yes. No, you're hundred percent right. So um, this is just a note. Um, we'll keep it in the interview probably, but I have, I have some content I want to share with you as I'd love to get your feedback on it related to the status quo, because so much of what I teach in business development around marketing and sales is about getting the decision maker off the dime, so to speak, from realizing their status quo is unsustainable or undesirable or whatever it may be. And so anyway, conversation for later. Um, we're coming up on time here. Sure. What you've given fantastic advice around how a business to business consultant like you or I should be thinking about continuous improvement, maybe one or two other ideas around ops and, and uh, identifying uh, processes that don't work, or conceptualizing how to fix them. Maybe just a couple of 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 thoughts. And I know, you know, in two minutes, I'm I'm kind of asking you to solve all the problems of the universe. But any insider observation you have uh, to help someone like me, a business business consultant, I have some processes that I think are working well. Others don't exist at all, and I know it's costing me time and money. But I'm not sure where to begin. What uh, what encouragement or insight might you have for for people like me, which which are a lot a lot of people? <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the the two um, most simplistic pieces of advice that I can provide are: you have to have you have to have a standard of a comparison, and you have to have time to do the comparison. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a standard of comparison means I need to know what good is. Um, yeah. If it's uh, you know, if it's just looking at the end of the month to see if you if you generate enough cash, that's that's not a that's not a good of standard of comparison. You know, yeah. I, like I said, I, w- I was showing you my little my little sheet here because this is just one of my standards. I know I should be doing I don't know five uh, um, referral type calls a week and two prospect calls a week. That's my standard of comparison. When I do better than that, good job. When I do yep. worse than that, okay, what went wrong? What were some of the other things that I could have done? Yep. Uh, so I have to have that standard of comparison. And not just in my business, uh, my internal business practices, but also from a client perspective, 
which, you know, depending on the kind of consulting you do, might be a little bit harder. I mean, I don't get, um, I don't I certainly don't get feedback every week from my clients. Uh, that's yeah. that's gonna be less. So there's other things that I have to go look at, um, you know, completed activities, things that I need to go find to make that standard of comparison. Like it rec- records I need to keep myself to gauge if we're making progress um, on behalf of the work that we're doing for the client. Right. Um, and then I need time. Uh, I have to, I have to designate. I, I journal um, my weekly sales and project activity every week, Fridays, typically around three o'clock. It takes me about an hour to an hour and a half. I've been doing that every week for five years. That's great. Um, um, it's, um, it's an important point of reflection for me to ask myself, both from a business and from a serving the client perspective, am I doing all the right things? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> my standard comparison there might be looking at the last week or looking at two weeks ago or the goals maybe that I set at the beginning of the quarter. Uh, but without that, um, setting aside that time and creating that habit, um, I don't improve. There's no, I'm, I'm, I'm again, uh, trapped in that inertia of the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say those two things, there's a zillion different techniques and a zillion different advice that can go around how you do those two. Right. But a lot of continuous improvement does come down to having that thing, that, that feedback mechanism in a, in a standard and creating the time for thoughtful retrospection. Uh, and if I'm doing those two things, I have a, I certainly have a shot at, at changing and improving. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but I love the practicality in terms of the action items that you talked about. Right. Because I mean, I have certain standards and certain mechanisms through which I monitor and measure my activity, um, my pipeline, those kinds of things. Um, I do take time on a weekly basis to look at my pipeline, but not, I don't think I'm, I'm not actively engaged in that in terms of asking myself the tough questions now, around marketing and sales. I often am because that's my world, but in terms of other aspects of my business, Right. Uh, I will, I'll sacrifice those wrongfully. Uh, Priority, right? I mean, we all prioritize. Correct. The question is, are you, you know, that reflection is asking, am I prioritizing the right things or am I prioritizing the things that I like to do the most? Precisely. Precisely. (laughs) Yep. Yep. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, it's like you do this for a living. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) this this is about a lot. Yeah. This is fantastic. I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. So, um, question I ask each time it's, I think it's, I got, I got tons of notes already, so we could stop here and it'd be fantastic, but I'll ask the question anyway, top lessons learned, uh, either these can be personal, these can be professional, but bits of wisdom that you might, uh, share with our audience today. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think I really hit on them. Um, understand what your value, your, your personal value proposition, especially if you're a solopreneur, mm-hmm. What's your what's your personal value proposition? You know, if if you're inventing a product or a service, fine. Then what's the value proposition of that? But but really understand that first. Recognize the need of building your network. Like you you are the brand nowadays. You know, yep. if 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 Elon Musk left Tesla, you'd probably see a drop in the stock price, and whatever whatever company he started 
from Tesla would, yeah, exactly. Would that value would transition with Elon Musk because the You're brand right. is as much Elon Musk. And and you know, at our at our lowly levels of of the world, it's equally important. It's the same thing yeah. that you know. I, I would love for someone to Chalmers Street consulting their process, but more than likely, what they're really going to do is they're going to call Matt Kroll because they see the stuff I put in LinkedIn. Exactly. So building that network and that value behind your own name as a brand. Uh, I think is incredibly important. Uh, and then those, you know, building those things come from the habits that you do. And I, I know I've talked quite a bit about that already. So uh, those would be my three pieces of uh, advice. Know your value, you know, recognize the value in the network and your own brand, and then build the habits um, to achieve both. That's fantastic. That's great. Uh, Matt, if someone wants to reach out to you, maybe they've got a client. Uh, that they want to refer to you. Maybe they maybe they are interested in working with you in some way. Um, if they want to connect with you, find out how to access you, what's the best way to do that? So uh, my email address, Matt Kroll, M-A-T-T-K-R-O-L-L at ChalmersStreet.com. Um, uh, my LinkedIn profile, I would say, is the freshest place. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, my website's good, but my LinkedIn profile is always fresh. I'm putting stuff up there every week. And that's... Um, right. That's the LinkedIn. And uh, if you go Matthew R. Kroll, I can't remember the exact um, slashes and stuff that you put in there. But sure. uh, if you if you look me up uh, with that Matthew R. Kroll in LinkedIn, um, you're going to find my offerings. You're going to find how to contact me. Um, you're going to find uh, some vlogs and things like that that I do uh, to put information out there, keep, keep myself relevant. Yeah, that's fantastic. And obviously, everybody will put those links in the show notes as well. So you can get easy access to them from the episode. Um, Matt, again, thank you so much for the time. It's fantastic to talk with you. Uh, A wonderful conversation as I knew it would be. I know everybody got a lot of value out of it, just like I did. And I'll look forward to our next conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to do something like this. And it was a lot of fun for me too. Good. Excellent. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, Make sure you are consulting with authority.